This week on Excelsior Journeys, my guest is multi-award winning author Anne Charles. Bursting onto the scene with her book Nearly Departed in Deadwood, the first in her Deadwood mystery series, Anne has gone on to produce several spin-offs of this particular series. And I'm so thankful to have her here because we not only get to catch up after meeting over 10 years ago and finally having her on this show, but she also gets to celebrate the upcoming release of her latest book, The Backside of Hades, book four in the Deadwood Undertaker series. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's you, why the I moment. taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. He jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write home. I'm rather sense. impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, yeah. throw some spaghetti yeah. against the wall. See this if it is sticks. George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in for almost 200 episodes. There is so much that's going on right now with the development of the upcoming Excelsior audio drama that's going to be taking place in either late February or early March of this year. I'm so excited to be telling you more about that. And you're going to be meeting members of the cast and crew throughout the month of February. So make sure to tune in to the Excelsior Journeys podcast then. And you'll also be hearing from a lot of news about the upcoming Once Upon a Podcast Network at the same time in February of 2023. There's a whole lot that's on the horizon, but I want to take a look back in time a little bit. Not all the way back, but I want to take it to the beginning of 2011. That was a real real critical time in my life. I was finished. I was starting up what would wind up being the last year that I would be spending in New York city. And I had just come out with the first version, the self-published version of Excelsior, the book that I had been working on for about two years at that point, introducing a character that was created back in 1992. So there was a lot of history and a lot of anxiety that went into the launch of that. And thankfully I met some some really, really good people that were part of a group called the Indie Book Collective, and they invited me to join them for a very special promotion that they were doing that was called Book Tour de Force. And what this meant was it was a group of authors that were all celebrating, the, releasing their eBooks around the same time, and everyone was basically there to promote each other instead of promoting themselves because that is that is is a surefire way of success is instead of hitting everyone over the head in social media and saying buy my book buy my book buy my book you're saying buy this person's book buy that person's book buy their book buy his book buy her book and you're spreading the wealth around and catching more attention by doing that so I thought that was that was a great way to get Excelsior introduced to the world, so to speak. And one of my assignments was I had to put on my blog a review about the book that was coming that was going to be released on in the promotion before me and the one after me. And 
I my understanding from my understanding is that the one that came out right after me was a book by an author named Ann Charles called Nearly Departed in Deadwood. And it was an award-winning book, and I immediately realized why just from the first line of the book, which we'll go into. And I was hooked right from there from then on. And I must have I must have read that book in just a couple of days. I was so into it. I was so into the character, Violet. And I was so into the mystery that was unfolding as it went. There was, there was some great romantic tension without full-on romance. It was just a really good, well-written, really fun read. And I couldn't wait to tell people about it. So when my time came, I was, I was all about it. I was making sure that any of my readers knew about this book, about Anne Charles herself. I just knew that I had discovered something special. And I was very, very flattered to read Anne's blog post the next day to see that she actually felt something similar about Excelsior. Because here is an established award-winning author giving praise to, to my book. It's the first time that it ever happened to me. And it was something that I never, ever forgot. So thankfully, Anne and I have stayed in touch, but... She is so prolific and so busy as an author that it's only now almost we're now past the four year mark of the Excelsior Journeys podcast. We're now 12 years after that that great moment. And here we are actually talking to each other for the first time. And it is my absolute pleasure to introduce my friend, author Ann Charles. Ann, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for that wonderful introduction and taking me back to how this all got rolling. It's been so long, but you don't often go back that far and think about the early days. And boy, we had fun. It was so exciting. We were so, we wanted to, to make our mark on the world. And we had so much energy as a, especially as a group that. Oh, man, it was it was wonderful. And I met great people that I'm still in touch with. And I still feel a kinship. You, for example, mm-hmm. I just feel like, hey, yeah, we were back at it's like being in kindergarten together. We were it back really in kindergarten was, yeah. together, playing <laughs> and, in the sandbox, having a good time. Right. It was a hell of a sandbox, too, because not only not only was it us, Jeremy Rodden was in there. Jonathan Gold was in there and. Just some really yeah. good, really good, well, strong authors. And I was just looking at Karpov Kinred. Yes, Karpov uh, Kinred was there. But it's she, Kim. Kim was there. Yeah. And that's when I first met her. And look where she's gone. She she and her husband have done amazing things together. So, yeah, it was really an exciting group to be a part of. And I feel lucky to have been pulled into that, too. Yeah. And uh, Rachel Thompson is doing Rachel. It's true. Is doing incredibly well. Yeah. Uh, really feels like she's really she found her niche really early on. Yeah. And she's been she's been running with it. And the sort of work that she's been doing has just been tremendous because she's not only constantly getting her own work out there, but she's also getting a lot of other people's work out there, a lot of recognition for other authors. She's constantly doing that. And that's something that I, I really appreciate. In fact, just thinking back to it, I think it was actually called blog tour de force because, oh, it, was that's a blo- right. because it was a blog tour that we, we, were, we were doing. Yeah. Doing. Blog hopping type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we were, if, if the podcast that the podcast industry was where it was, 
where it is was back then. Like it was still like kind of someone in its infancy. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was going to be called Pod Tour de Force. Something <laughs> like this. But 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 this was this was terrific. This was I and I stand by like everything that I said in that in that blog post. I had so much fun reading your book and getting immersed in your world. But you have to be the one to to give the first line. Uh, so nearly departed in Deadwood. And it just hit me when I sat down to finally, after a long time plotting those early books, you spend so much time interviewing characters and really digging in to get a, a feel of the world. But when I sat down to write that first line, just to give a little quick backstory, two things happened. In my mind, there was this old guy pointing a shotgun, double barrel shotgun at my heroine, Violet Parker. And he'd never been, he hadn't been in any of my planning, all the plotting, all the character reviews. Old man Harvey had nothing. He just, he was not there until that first line. And I was sitting there and it popped into my head and he was the one holding the shotgun on her. And Mm -hmm. just if, if you read the series, you'll see Old Man Harvey is a huge secondary character. He is actually part of the main crew and often starts each book with Violet. So Mm -hmm. little backstory there. And the line that came to my mind when I sat down with my hands on the keys was the first time I came to Deadwood, I got shot in the ass. There it is. Yep. And it all just rolled right out, started just flowing onto the page from there. And and I loved it. I loved it because... It was fun. And number mm-hmm. two, it kind of, I wanted you to get a feel of how this is going to go for Violet Parker. Yeah. It kind of gives you a sum up of the whole series, getting shot in the ass multiple times, basically. So <laughs> it was a fun, a fun way to start the whole story. And I remember when I first read that line, I laughed out loud. It was literally, it was not just me typing LOL or anything like this was me actually laughing out loud. And seeing, okay, where is this going? And then I finished that first chapter and then I wanted to keep reading and I wanted to keep reading. And thankfully at that time I was living in New York City. So that allowed for a whole lot of great reading time during my commute. And I was also very much the person that would get to work an hour early. So that way I could sit down in the break room and read or write because I was doing one of one either one of those things all the time. Right, right. And sure enough, I just I just wanted to keep on reading. I had my Kindle, my trusty Kindle, which I still have today. It's ah. been my it's been my go to for all of my audiobook narrating. So I'm not staring at a screen the whole time. I'm actually mm-hmm. like just using that e ink. And I was I was so into it and I couldn't wait to tell people about it on my blog post because I was just so excited. It was, well, thank you. I, I mean, it really, one of the things you try to do as a storyteller is is not just hook someone with the first line, but also mm-hmm. in that first chapter, give them a feel of what's to come mm-hmm. and what this is going to be about. And I use a lot of humor in my stories. It's a big part of my genre mix that I do. Mm-hmm. And so it was a fun first chapter to get in there and, and really get the banter going between Violet and old man Harvey to become the duo that they would be 
over time Mm -hmm. and really get things rolling and let Harvey get some of his, as we call them now, the readers, Harveyisms out, (laughs) some of the lines that he gives. So yeah, it was, it it really, I just, I go back every now and then you always want to, you think, Oh, I don't know if I want to read that first book again. It's kind of, yeah, you, you keep growing as an author, but I did just reread it a couple months ago and I thought, I'm glad I did that. I still yeah. like that story a lot. So, yeah, it was fun to kind of go back and, and be introduced. And it's really fun for the whole story now to go yeah. back. And, of course, like it's like watching the show where everybody starts meeting and you're like, oh, look at that. This is happening and this is happening. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of fun, too. Oh, that's great. And I would be remiss if I didn't say once again, your support for Excelsior, for that first book, especially that first version of it, because when it came out in 2010, looking at it now, I can't even look at that first version anymore because it got picked up by a small press in 2013. And when I signed the contracts, it was in March of that year and it was scheduled to come out in November. And that's when I asked the publisher, can I take another crack at it? And she said that was fine. And so I just, I, George Lucas, the hell out of it, really. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was, I had already established in the, in the second book outline that I was working on that characters could communicate telepathically. And I was thinking like, well, they couldn't really do that in the, that first version. I was like, well, now they can. And so that, that became part of the rewrite. And it's like, well, this sword was inspired by Excalibur. No, it's really Excalibur now. And I rewrote that. And, all these different things that I was doing, taking out like every little bit of profanity that was in there because I was starting to get kids interested in it. So it's like, I don't want to give the parents anything to complain about and just all this stuff, but that doesn't happen. I don't take that chance. If I don't have someone like you reaching out and saying, Hey, this book is worth your time. It I mean, I can't, of course it's been 12 years You know, and I don't remember all the details, but I do remember like you reading it and really enjoying it. It wasn't a book where, I mean, I, I judged a bunch of contests by that point in my life because that's part of what you do. Well, Mm -hmm. we did way back when to build up your name and get, get out there and learn. Yeah. And yours was a breath of fresh air. It was like, oh, because you had to, you had to read the person before or after you Mm -hmm. uh, and after you on that blog tour and having done the many contests that I had by then, I was like, Oh no, you know, mm-hmm. this is going to go, but yeah. it was a breath of fresh air. It was fun. It was great. So start using that as a starting point. I, I mean, I thought it was great then. I'm sure it's just amazing now. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gone through, it's gone through quite a few iterations. It was picked up in 2013 by small press. And when that press closed down, another one picked it up in 2017 and it's just evolved since then. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like in between houses right now, cause it's trying to, it's where my agent is working to get a new home because that press wound up closing down mm-hmm. just a victim of COVID. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it was, it's been an amazing ride with this and because of because of how much it's grown in in that up to where, where it is right now, I think now I think it's fabulous seeing where it started and seeing where it is now. And then 2018, that's when part two finally came out. Mm-hmm. And that to me was just like the best thing I've ever written to date. So I got awesome. quite a quite a bit ahead of me with with part three. But but let's talk about you here, because you have you not only have 13 you're your 
working you're working on book 13 in the series now, correct? Correct. Yeah, in the Deadwood series. And that but at the same time you have you've since gotten four other series off the ground, including a prequel series. Right. Right. And that is the latest one that's coming out now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, it came out right at the end of last year. So, and it's the the one that the book that came out is called The Backside of Hades, and it's book four in the Deadwood Undertaker series, mm-hmm. which, like you said, is the prequel to the modern day Deadwood mystery series. And and this Deadwood Undertaker series all started because I think I was working on book nine of the Deadwood mm-hmm. mystery series, and I was watching some documentary on the Old West with my husband Sam Lucky and. They, I don't remember what in particular, except they were talking about undertakers. And I looked at him and I said, you ever heard of a female undertaker in the old West? I mean, every time I've ever read or seen, it's been male, male, male. Was there even, was that allowed for females to do? What's and So we started talking about it and, and talking about how much fun it would be to write a prequel series to the modern day Deadwood Mystery Series that took mm-hmm. place back in the 1870s during the gold rush times in Deadwood, a series that would really help explain a lot of the supernatural stuff that we're seeing in the modern day series. It would give you characters that might be ghosts now and they were alive then, supernatural characters that were there then and there now because of they don't age like we do. And, mm-hmm. and we just started brainstorming. And so excited, but I said, at that point, it was, I was writing the different series, and I said, I just, I, I have four others going. I don't think I can start a fifth. I, I don't mm. think I can fit it in yeah. with everything else. And he said, and he's been part of this since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he was there before I, I published, of course. And he said, and, and, and a big part of helping me brainstorming and, and talking book for a decade, and he said, I'd like to give my give a try. I'd like to work with you on it. And maybe we could do it together and it would save you time. And then, but then we would both have input and, and build this new series because it sounds so much fun. And so that's yeah. how that got started. And I was, because I was in book nine of Deadwood Mystery Series, when you read the main series, you'll see the mention of a female undertaker. So it was really great because it was, ah. I could plant the seed and it was the perfect time. So it was just meant yeah. to be, time for that series to start. And so my husband and I write it together. He does the first draft. We brainstorm, we plot. He does the first draft. I come through after and do my part. It's not really him and me. We Instead of individual voices writing different chapters, we blend. I, I compare it to harmonizing oh. in a, with a song. So mm-hmm. it's a really mix of the two of our voices together. And it's it's been an interesting journey just doing that series. And working with someone. I, I hadn't worked with anyone writing a story before then. And so that's what the latest book, The Backside of Hades, is the fourth in that series. And the first one is called Life at the Coffin Joint. Because again, she's a, the heroine is a, a female undertaker and she's something. She's She holds her own in fights and, and she's really fun. She's really fun to be with and ride on the page and hang out with and, and enjoy all that. And then there's also two gunfighters that have grown up together. They're not brothers, mm-hmm. but they've been together since kids coming over on a wagon train where everybody died pretty much. And a, a older guy named Hank who nobody can really figure out where he came from. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's a really fun crew that we have set in the old West and mixed with some mystery and supernatural and all kinds of humor and action adventure. So 
that's that series. Why the hell is this not a Netflix series yet? <laughs> I know it'd be. I mean, oh, how would awesome be, would this be? Like, <laughs> it's it's really fun. I mean, just the visual when we're writing it. We too, my husband does so much research, yeah. and and I, I grew up a lot in Deadwood, in that mm-hmm. area. So. I, I, we know a lot of history already, and we go every time we go every year. My mom still lives there, and and every time we go, we go to the library, we go different places, and we're doing more research to try to get it. So it, it's really a blend of true history stuff, but then we've put a layer of fiction over the top of the true stuff that yeah. was going on, and just mixed it up. So it's it's a blast, and and what's really fun is, like I said, the heroine, um, she's Viking ancestry. She's Mm -hmm. six foot tall. She doesn't put up with crap. And she gets a lot because being a six foot tall woman back then Mm -hmm. and being strong and she wears trousers. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, you you didn't really fit in. And so you got a lot of crap from all kinds of people. And she's there to battle some supernatural beings and creatures and and hold her ground against them. So it's, it's a fun series. That's great. It sounds a lot like with the way that you two write, you and Sam, it sounds a lot like like how Doug Kenny, Harold Ramis and Chris Miller wrote Animal House because they oh. each wrote a third and then they rewrote each other. As it, Oh, as interesting. So they I were like so they were adding like their own their own elements to it. So you really have like a first half, a first third, a second third and a third third all written by Doug Kenny, Harold Ramis and Chris Miller. So it was, so they really like, they all had their say. It wasn't like it was anthology sort of thing where it was each person just writing their own thing. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like I said, he goes first, I go through and then I hand it back to him and he goes back through it all and then tweaks some more and changes things more. So by the time we're done, it's really, I've had people say, well, I, I really try to figure out what he wrote and what you wrote. And, and it's kind of like, well, there's big chunks where each of us wrote a bit, or, but it's mm-hmm. not always easy to figure it out. And that's what we wanted. We didn't want it to sound disjointed. We wanted it to sound like one person writing the story. Does it, is, do your styles really match each other? Would you say? I don't. We've been married for oh, yeah. <laughs> 22 years now. And I, I think more, they, than, I would <laughs> more than anything, I think that's the key is we learned long ago, we have two kids, we learned to compromise, we learned mm-hmm. to work out our differences. And so while I think we are different, when we blend, we really work to compromise with each other. And it's not always easy. There's times yeah. he feels strongly about something that I want to change or I feel strongly. And it's not always happy-go-lucky unicorns, rainbows, and all that while we write. But we know that what's at stake here is our third child. It's it's this whole series that's well, the two of us together, all our energy, effort, and love to put it on the page and, and present something fun for readers mm-hmm. to read and, and escape into. Oh, that's great. That is great. And so, so let's talk a little bit about how you got started as a writer. Because one of the things that I love hearing is I love hearing about what I call the lightning bolt moment. And that's that moment in anyone's life where they experience something, read something, meet someone or whatever, and that just makes them want to point in that particular direction and say, that's what I want to do. That's the journey I want to be on. That's the kind of person I want to be. So what was it for you in writing in general? What was it that grabbed you? 
That's tough because I've told many, this is not my dream career. This was not when I was young. A lot of writers knew and I envy them that they knew early on. I did not. I, I pondered many different careers from flight attendant to archaeology to lawyer, just to name a few. And I always joke, but seriously, camel jockey in my ninth grade seemed like this really cool career. I'd ride camels and race them. I don't know why. I was reading a lot of romances set over in Saudi Arabia then. So maybe that was it. It was this romantic with, the, I don't know. Anyway, it was in my 20s. And, and I'd always read. I mean, I was a big reader like so many are. But I read Stephen King. I read romances. I read Gene Owl. I read all over the place. I, I just, I, Louis L'Amour was a huge mm-hmm. part of my reading diet growing yeah. up. So I had this real mix. But I was, I, I was in my 20s reading and it was a romance and it was, it wasn't a bad romance, but it didn't end the way I liked and seemed like the last few books didn't end the way I liked. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they got together happily ever after, but I had ideas of how I would have written that ending to make it more exciting in my yeah. opinion. Um, and that's kind of what got me going. I said to myself, if you're going to complain and moan about this, maybe you should write your own book mm-hmm. and, and put your own ending on it and then you'll be satisfied. So that was my mid twenties. And I did, I wrote that first book on paper with pen and I still have it and it still sucks a lot, but (laughs) I did write clear to the end. And then I even typed up a submission thing and sent it into Harlequin over in London. Mm -hmm. And I think they were just being nice to me, but they said they wrote back and they declined it, but they said, don't stop writing. You have a lot of potential. And I'm sure that's a form letter thing, but I believed it. So I kept going and it it became then I was working as a secretary. Then I had a, and and working towards a four year degree, I had a two year and then I was working my way through slowly. And I went Mm -hmm. to four different colleges to get this final degree. And so as a secretary, it became this romantic Thing out there that I could aim towards a job where I didn't have to be like a secretary or whatever I was going to be. Yeah. And I could write for a living. So I think that was really the turning point. I I, I went to college. I, I wasn't going to get a degree in English. I have a bachelor in English creative writing. That wasn't my plan either. But I, like I said, I, I, I was with my first husband for most of this time and he trout, we, we moved around a lot. And so I went to four different colleges and every dang college said, here's your looking at my transcripts. This is great. This is good. We want you to take English 101 again. And I'm like, why? I just mm-hmm. took it at the last one. Well, that's not good enough. Our English 101 is better than that college. Wow. And okay. I took four basically English 101s at each Mm. college in different states. So by the fourth, (laughs) I thought, I think the universe is trying to send you a sign here that Mm -hmm. you need to get a degree in English and you need to focus on writing because you keep having to take English and you're Mm -hmm. getting really good at it now. So, so yeah, I, I did follow through and got a creative writing degree then bachelor in English. And I ended up getting a job I went to a place to apply for a secretarial position that they had open and a friend of mine worked there and they saw my resume and said, you're going to college for English. And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to be doing that at night and on the side. And they said, we have a technical writing position that just opened up. Would you like that instead? And I said, 
what do technical writers do? I mean, that's how green I was. Yeah. And they, they hired me um, on the spot. And I stayed there over 13 years. And wow. in addition to my English degree that I got during that time, I spent 13 years perfecting my skill as a technical writer, which did amazing things for my grasp of the English language and how to use it more effectively. So put all that together on top of that, write your own dang book if you want to be happy about it and mm -hmm. like it. And it all comes together to make Anne Charles. And I've got Backside of Hades was the 35th, 35th book with my name on it that's gone out. That's so fan. That's fabulous. So yeah, 30 of my own, five with my husband. So it's been, it's been a, a lot of writing since then, but it's, wow, what, what exciting times and meeting people like you along the way. They say it's the journey and you get so set on that. Oh, I want to make this list or I want to have this many book sales that mm -hmm. really stop and look around you and look at those walking on their journey next to you, because that's where the real excitement and fun in this career is is yeah. those you get to meet and, and join up with for different things and be part of their lives. Yeah. And yeah, for me, it's, it's people like you that are, that are inspirations that are just want you to like keep going and everything just want you to just get to, if, if not that level, then at least like strive to get to that level. And just saying like 35 books with your name on it, like that is, that's the dream right there. Like to, to have that sort of, that sort of library, like you can literally fill a whole shelf with, <laughs> and with, I know with your stuff. My sister will take my books to different book events in Ohio for me. And she acts as a sales for me. Mm -hmm. And she, she complains to me often now how much work it is to lug your books to places. Mm -hmm. How many luggage I have filled with your books and the carts I have to do and how much time it takes to set it all up. You're you're the reason why God invented the Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, I tell new writers, there's there are people in this this career, this field who want to compete and they're like, I gotta do better on sales. I gotta do better on this than so and so. But in all honesty, I can't keep a reader, a voracious reader, busy for long. I mean, mm -hmm. if it's if they're pretty good and they read a book a day, I got them for a little over a month. Yeah. But we need other authors. We need so many of us working together mm -hmm. to provide really good entertainment, uplifting stories, excitement, whatever you offer. Yeah. We need as many, a bunch of us. It shouldn't be something you feel like I've got to be at the top. You need to be working with others to help them, I think, lift them up so that we all work to sing and dance and entertain everybody and have a good time. Yeah. It's like the old tour with Bob Hope. Mm -hmm. The uh, help me out the acronym the, US, the USO. Yes, thank you. I was doing yeah. PTO. No, that's time yeah. off. You know? yeah, yeah, it's like that. You went together and you were together to entertain the troops. It's the same type of thing, I think, for many of us authors. And we did that too. The the Indie Book Collective did the blog tour to troops because yeah. what we did for that was we we all donated our ebooks and they all got sent over to troops overseas. Yeah, that's right. They, they can read it. Like that they they put together some really good promotions. It's a shame that they're that they're they everyone's kind of gone their separate ways, but it would be great to just kind of bring a group of writers to do that sort of thing again. It's like that. Right, right. It it would be it would be a lot of fun. So just so what was it about Deadwood itself that made you think like, wow, I can do 
there's so much I can do with this kind of, with this kind of landscape. So by the time I wrote the first Deadwood book, that was book eight, I believe seven or eight. I can't, I have to go back and do the numbers in my head. I'd written a few other books by that time. Mm -hmm. And one, like I said, that first one under the bed, still have it, read it just to cringe, give myself some entertainment. I wrote another one after that called jungle fever. Mm -hmm. And that was so bad that my critique group at the time told me I could never use that hero's name ever, ever again. They would not read anything with that hero's name. And he's my hero in a romance. That's how bad I did. (laughs) (laughs) So that one's one's set that aside, moved on Mm -hmm. to book three, which I'd called Identity Crisis. And that turned out really well, except halfway through the book, it turns from a romance into a mystery. It's Mm. like, we, we always laughed about identity crisis was the book where Anne had an identity crisis and changed and it became a mystery with a romantic subplot. And so then in my, that was book three. And I went, Oh, apparently this is what I'm supposed to be writing. Not I'm doing very badly at romance so bad. They booted my hero, but they like this. So I haven't published that one, but I wrote that book, set it aside. I went back to jungle fever and tried it again and called it Bungle in the Jungle. And and like you said with Excelsior, I did a full-on heroes yep. out, change this, do this. And that book finaled in a contest, but it didn't win. So I was I had that motivation. I kept going. Anyway, I put that aside because it didn't win. Went to write Dance of the Winnebago's, which is the first book in my Jackrabbit Junction mystery oh, series. Oh, okay. Wrote that book, got an agent. She loved it. Started yeah. circulating it, said, write the second while I'm writing the first. And I said, it was a standalone. She goes, no, it's not. Look at it. It's a series. And I went, <laughs> well, by God, I wrote a series. So you can mm-hmm. see how I stumble through this. And yeah. that's a theme in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I stumble into, I write book two. And by then I'm getting rejected all around because it's they want me to pick a team. Are you going to write a romance? Or are you going to write a mystery? You're doing like 50-50 here, girl. Plus mm-hmm. their own humor and all this other stuff. Pick a team. And I couldn't. And thankfully, by then, Kindle was coming out, was, was yeah. there. Ebooks were becoming a thing. So I had those two books done. So that's what, five, six, I can't, now I've lost count. So then I was in Deadwood visiting mm-hmm. my, my family and pregnant uh, and just had this thought of what would it be like to be a mom pregnant or with young kids here? The huge mine, the gold mine had just shut down in real life. Mm-hmm. Jobs were hard to come by. Real estate was cheap. I mean, things were changing. And I just had this, what would this be like? And and we went back home and my husband and I sat on our back deck and talked about this series and mm-hmm. talked about the characters that would be in it. And it just kind of came. And that was that was nearly departed in Deadwood. And, mm-hmm. and that's when it all got started. I did go back. I published the first two of the Deadwood series. And then I published Dance in the Winnebago's. But again, like you, I went back through that thing. And I worked it again. And then I published the second in that that I'd already written and got those out. And a few years in, I said, that bungle in the jungle fever and then bungle in the jungle. I'm going to publish that. And so I went back and again, like you, Mm -hmm. let's redo this sucker. And only this was a major overhaul compared to what you did. And and then I put that book out. It's it's the Dig Site series. It's Look What the Wind Blew In. And it takes... It's archaeology, adventure, humor, romance, mystery, all thrown together down in the Yucatan. So nice. there you go. That's just kind of – so long story there. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, that's, what's, that's what this is for. It, it wasn't a 
it, it was like a slow, keep trying to start the lighter spark. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it eventually here, like rubbing sticks together. We'll get this thing going. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's, and, and now all that's out there and, and you can read it. So it's a lot of fun to think back to how this all got rolling. Yeah. So once you, so you wrote that first line, which obviously was your grabber and mm-hmm. then you, you kept on going with it and everything, figuring out where things were going to go. When was it, when did you realize just like, Oh, I love this character. Probably right in that first chapter. I mean, she just, it was my first time writing first person before that. All the other books I had tried writing and and were sitting off on the shelf. They -hmm. were third person. And so this was the first time I thought I'm going to be, I'm going to be violent on the page and I'm going to see how that feels. And I did that first line. I did that first chapter. And I thought, wow, I love this. This really mm-hmm. is a good avenue for giving internal humor, internal dialogue, yeah. and, and really upping the humor content in the story. So that was really kind of the, the what really pulled me in was like, oh, this is fun. This is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's so cool. So you have it all finished. You get that, you get the, you, you get your draft and everything finished. How long did it take you to do the editing on, on that first Deadwood book? Well, so I finished it, did my part, which was probably a couple months of self-editing my own, um, Mm -hmm. handed it off to my agent. She, and I had headed it, had it, sorry, edited by someone before handing it off to my agent. Even I wanted this to, it felt really good. Yeah. So I wanted it to be good for her. And she loved it. She she was like, you're brilliant. This is brilliant. And I love that word. And we sent it off to several houses and we actually got picked up by one of the big ones at that time. And really? Oh, yeah. It was going. And this was before the blog tour, before Mm -hmm. I met you. So it went through the hoops of the publishing house. And I had an editor I worked with. And he had me change some things and fix some things and move stuff a little bit. And I didn't, it was just a mystery with a touch of romance. There was no sex on the page in that story. Yeah. He said, let's, I want you to do this. I want you to actually consummate a love scene and have that in there because I think it needs this to sell in our markets. So, okay. So I added that in and I changed it. caused a lot of ripples and I had to work on it some more. So that took probably three, four months of editing till I sent it back and he loved it and was ready to put it up the chain. And so in the meantime, I was writing book two and I wrote all of book two Yeah, and got that done based off book one. Well, then he, we made it, oh, we made it through all these hoops and all this stuff. And we went to final acquisitions where mm-hmm. marketing comes in and everybody comes in. And all the editors were behind it, but marketing rejected it because they didn't think a a book set in the Midwest would sell as well as if it was set on either coast. Hmm. So they didn't think they'd have a big enough audience for it because it was small town Midwest. So marketing made the decision to to cancel it. Yep. Yep. And that was a dark day. And I'd already written book two based off one. So I couldn't change what I had. It was like, well, let's go forward. And that was, and, and during that time, right after that, I submitted it for the Golden Heart and for the Daphne du Maurier Award. And both are national. And just to see, okay, well, let's see how everybody else feels about this book since it got rejected for that. And it won the Daphne and it won the Golden Heart for, for its category, Strong Romantic Elements. So, I mean, and that was for one book to win both, boom, boom 
was yep. surreal. And I yeah. thought, let's go. And my, my good friend, Amber Scott. Amber Scott, part, yeah. Who was part of IBC. She Am- self-published it. Do your mm-hmm. own. Go forth yeah. on your own. Create a publishing company and go forth. It's all ready to go. And I said, I don't know. I'm a turtle. I'm always a turtle. She's the rabbit. And mm-hmm. she said, trust me. I'm doing it and it's working well, publishing. And I did. And then I was part of the, she had me join that and she was part of that. And that book just exploded out of the gate. It was wonderful. So yeah, yeah, it it just times really well. Everything just lined up timing wise to work well for that story. So yeah, that was kind of how that whole thing went forth. Now with the self, the fact that you've self-published, how many of them have, did, have you self-published all of them or is it just? Yeah. So initially button? I was with, I had a, a publishing company I was, I created that I co-owned, yeah. but by 2013, 2014, I couldn't keep going. It was 2014. I knew I couldn't keep doing both. I just, mm-hmm. we had other authors. I was trying to do my own writing. I needed to write more faster. So I ended up leaving that publishing company and going from small press to totally indie then by mm-hmm. 2015. And, yeah. and I had all the rights to the books. I had the contract made up in advance so that I'd get my books if I ever left. And it was really cool. We just split and my partner kept going and I went, you know, took my detour and started going forth on my own. And since then, it's just been me. Well, my husband, and it's really my husband yeah. and me, but and Charles going forth. Mm-hmm. And before you said that you had, you had an agent, do you still have an agent? Even no, no, that, that. that all ended once, once formed the small press and, and went that way, there's no need for an agent anymore. Yeah. So that went by the wayside and I still haven't, I've over the years pondered, but you need agents for certain things. And I recognize that, but at, to this point, I haven't come up against something where I needed to be with an agent. So mm. I, I still am running free. Watch out. There you go. <laughs> so when the, so the the book and everything you you finish it it gets it comes out there and everything. What was that feeling like holding that holding Nearly Departed in Deadwood in your hands as a finished book, all bound and everything, looking great. It's a great cover, and Thanks. and then just like just feeling it in your hands, having that sort of feeling. What is what was that for you? It was it was incredible. Part like you said. So the cover. So my brother, once the publishing company said, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. My brother, who's an artist, stepped forth and said, I'd like to work with you. I'm making the covers for your books. Are you interested? And I was, yes, because mm-hmm. original art on covers is not easy or cheap to get. And that, that I true. could work with someone that I'd known all my life and we could work together. I was excited. So, yeah, all the covers, except like the novellas, the mm-hmm. Deadwood Shorts and, and a couple others. But everything else is my brother's art. Wow. Uh, and then my husband is the graphic artist now that works with them. But anyway, having that, the combination of all the work I'd put in, all the people that had helped, my brother's art was just surreal and exciting and hard to believe that here I'd, I'd actually done it. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, put, I'd, I'd put my money where my mouth is. I'd stepped forth and made a book where I liked the ending. Mm-hmm. You know? So that was, it was really exciting. That's great. And you mentioned the all the people that have helped you with putting this all together. This is a, a great time to give a shout out. Who is like who is your Ooh. team? 
So many, so many. Because you have over a the- tremendous fan base, I will, I will say, say that as well. Well, I have a lot of – I mean, they're all in it with me. We're one big team. Go forth mm-hmm. and charge and try to reach new readers and keep going. Like I said from the start, my husband's been there. And my kids have dealt – I mean, they're, in their, they're 18 and 16 just about now. So it's been their whole life of, wow. of this happening, this whole process. So they've been part of it. I have a first draft team that's pretty much the same since I started. There's only mm-hmm. been a couple additions, and there's about 12, 10 to 12 of them. And those guys are incredible. They read chapter by chapter when I give it to them because I, I write chapter by chapter and hand it off to them. So oh, it's great. like getting a, a, t- a weekly TV show. And mm-hmm. sometimes I really leave them hanging and they they write me back and swear at me and call me all kinds of names. But yeah. they still keep going. They're awesome. And they're so helpful. And yeah. and then I have some a, a great editor and and she um she works with me so quickly. And then I have a second I have the beta team. And the mm-hmm. beta team is anywhere from 25 to 50 people, depends on how many I pull. And mm-hmm. a lot of them have been there since the beginning reading as beta readers and they go through and try to nitpick and find every last thing they can. And so by the time a book goes out, there's probably 60, 70 people that have helped me go through this thing to clean it up from the original, what I wrote and editing to the final output. It's been through a lot of eyes to try to make it as, as clean and professional of a story as well as something that won't have things that pull you out while you're in the midst. You can really sink in and enjoy it. So the whole team. And then once we put it out, we have the promo team and that ranges mm-hmm. anywhere from 120 to 200 people that volunteer wow. their time. They, they sign up, they volunteer, they give their time and they help me promote it. Grocery stores, online, wherever emails, however they want to do it. Reviews. Yeah. So these guys, most of them have been there, again, for easily five, six years plus. Mm-hmm. And I write one of the things, they just, they do it for the kindness of their heart. We're a big team. Mm-hmm. We all do this together. And mm-hmm. I write everybody a thank you card, handwritten, and put a, everybody gets a certain magnet for each book, a book cover magnet. So they were part of that team. And mm-hmm. In addition, we have promo prizes, promo team prizes every time, anywhere from 50 to 100 plus prizes that we give away to the wow. teams. And it's a random drawing at the end of the whole thing. Yeah. So they have a chance to win some really cool prizes, too, that we get for them. So it's so cool. It's a process. It's, it's, yeah. We're one, like I said, we're, we're a big team. It's a whole yeah. process. We all go through together. We put it out and then, okay, get my butt busy writing the next one so we can do it again. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And that's got to be so much fun too, to be, to be working with so many people knowing that what they're waiting for and everything. And so it's, it's a great way to, to keep you motivated, to keep the accountability up, uh, Mm -hmm. to keep you inspired because they're reaching out to you and everything. Do they suggest any sort of twists and turns or anything for the characters? People will write me and say, I wonder if this is going to happen, or I think this is going to happen, or maybe you should consider this. But honestly, I I go with what's in my head, the storyteller that's in my head. And I have ideas already for each book at the start, what I'm going to do. When I finish a book, I have ideas what's going to happen next. And I really have to do it my way since I'm telling the story. So as much as I appreciate how excited everybody is and their ideas, it's, it's kind of like, cool. Thank you. I'm glad you're so with it Mm -hmm. with me that you have all these great ideas, but really it's, 
I'm going to go forward with the plans I had because at the end of a story, I'll write down what I think should come next before I switch to the next series and start writing that book so that I can come back and see my notes and get going. Have there been any, have you noticed any sort of Deadwood mystery fan fiction around at all? I haven't paid attention to that, to be honest, and not because I'm haughty or anything like right. that. It's yeah. because I have two You're kids busy. and I, I write full time. And I just don't, I, I have a few different stories I read in the off time, some Westerns, some romances. And it's every now and then I'll read a book for someone that's mm-hmm. asked me to, but I don't do that often even because I just don't have a lot of time. One okay. of the main things I wanted to do from the get-go was quit my day job so I could spend time with my husband and kids more, mm-hmm. uh, especially as my kids were growing up. And so when I have downtime, it's their time. It's not yeah. to, to give to this or that. It's time with my family. Excellent. Excellent. So what do you think is, what's what's next on your, I don't, I don't want to say bucket list, but, like, but just what is, what, is the, what is the next thing on, say, like Violet Parker's to-do list? What do you think is the next logical step for her beyond, beyond the books? You mean like on like writing her next? You mean like in, in general, like being in because like audiobooks or something bigger like that? You mean or on the page? Something bigger. Okay, so let me add first of all that they all are everything I have is in audio except mm-hmm. Backside of Hades, which were it will be recorded this month. So everything else is in audio and available. Excellent, but. On the page, Violet, I'm trying, I'm pausing because I don't want to give away what's going on in there because by book 13, a lot has happened. And if you read book one and you hear me say something here, I don't want to ruin anything for readers. But Violet has to figure out how to handle, get a better handle on her abilities and what she can do in order Mm -hmm. to clean up the problem that's going on in Deadwood and it's growing and it's getting much and much worse, of course, because now people uh, and non-people, non-humans know who she is, what she is, what she's doing. And so she's got enemies coming from her left, coming for her left and right. And Mm -hmm. including an ex, it's not even the ex-husband. It's just the father of her children who Mm -hmm. has come back and made waves. So she's dealing with all kinds of troubles and my husband ever says, are you ever going to give Violet a break? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> she gets breaks. She has good things that happens in her life. No, mm-hmm. it's just, it's more fun on the page when she doesn't get a break and she's right. struggling. That's part of the fun of that. But, oh yeah. and, and I am, this year I did want to, outside of that, I wanted to pursue a couple other ideas and venues. I've had interest over the years in, in, stage versions on having the books series. I've had different stuff come to me that I've always said, not yet. I'm not really interested yet, but this year I want to do my homework. I want to learn a lot about whether it be small screen, big screen plays, anything. I just need to really learn that because as well as I do, you can't go into this kind of stuff naive and and with no No. clue because you can really screw yourself over on your copyrights. Mm-hmm. So I have some learning to do this year to yeah. prepare and maybe explore some other venues besides book audio and our ebook audio and print. I mm-hmm. love what you're doing with the different actors, the drama, the audio drama. Um, yeah. That audio is, drama. Yeah. My that's, husband that's really wants, my mind. 
My husband really wants to do that. He would love to do that with our Deadwood Undertaker series, do an audio drama. So I'm going to be paying oh, attention to how you do this. Yeah. Because that would be, that would be fun. That's something I ch- I've, I've said this before on any other means of communication. I challenge all authors to adapt at least one of their works into a different medium because you will learn so much about what is expendable, what is not, what needs to be condensed. And that's another thing. You got to give yourself those limitations. You can't just say, I'm going to just do all the dialogue from, from the entire story. You got to give yourself some sort of limitation. It took seven it was the first audiobook for Excelsior is seven finished hours. And I had to take something that took me seven finished hours to read and condense it all into just about one hour. Wow. Yeah. That's you'll, yeah. That's you learn a lot from, from that sort of thing. You learn a lot about, you know, like, okay, I can't do it like this and it's an audio drama. So they're not going to be able to see much. Right. They're not going to see anything really. Right. So what can I do to, to adapt it to that medium. And it took quite a few more months than I expected it. I started the whole, I started the journey in February and I delivered the script in July, but mm-hmm. now it's like, it's actually going to be happening. Now it's wow. and That's now exciting. It's like, yeah. I got like, I got two music composers to, to do it. Somebody's going to actually do a theme to this oh, character. Cool. It's just like, it's it's wild and i want like i want that for violet like yeah. i want that for for your other characters cuz i think like they like your your crew your your people would just absolutely absorb it they they would not only absorb it but they would fire it out to the rest of the world to hear as well right um, right so yeah. i i hope i hope you go ahead and do that i definitely do well it's um, on the docket to explore and actually put time into this year it's it's made the list of Top five things I'd like to accomplish. So, well, well, you have a friend who's in that who's in that venture now. So, by all means, I I would love to help however I can. So, now just a couple couple more questions, really quickly. Say there is someone in your position from way back when, someone who realized that maybe writing is going to be where they want to go, that sort of venture that they want to they want to travel on. What would you say to them would be the first step that they should take? Hmm. I I think really reading the books that you love, that you just love and actually will read repeatedly, Mm -hmm. uh, figuring out what is it about those books that you love or movies you watch. It can be a movie too. movies you watch over and over. What is it you love? Is it the dialogue? Is it the story, the setting? And, and it could be multiple things. And thinking about that in relation to what you're going to write, mm-hmm. um, because you really, you know, as well as I do, there has to be a passion. You yeah. have to enjoy writing the words. You have to enjoy telling the story. And if you're writing something you don't enjoy, it's going to sound like it. it's going to be stiff. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as good. If your heart's in it and you're having fun as you write the story, because it's the genre you like, it's the dialogue that's snappy like you like, then it's going to make a difference. So Start with figuring out what you're going to write. And maybe that takes you writing different stories. Like I told you, I wrote two romances. And in the third book I wrote, I realized I can't, romance is not just what I want to write. I want to do this mixed genre stuff. So it took me writing books to figure out what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the only way to really figure out what you want to do is to start doing it. 
Exactly. Yeah. And where can where can my listeners find you on social media? Well, Anne at AnnCharles.com. I'm sorry, that's my email address. AnnCharles.com. A-N-N-Charles.com. That's where you can find everything, including on the Connect page, you can find where to sign up for the newsletter. You can find all the different social media platforms I'm on, which is Facebook, Instagram. Those are the two main ones. But I'm also out there on LinkedIn. I have a thing. I use that mostly for the fun pictures. And TikTok, I started, but I paused because I... I had to write a book. So mm-hmm. I put, I got some stuff on there, but then I stopped, but I'm all over the place. YouTube. I have a YouTube channel where you can watch all kinds of interviews I've done book. I do online book signings, record them and you can see them there. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all over. If you type Ann Charles in, you can find me all over the place right now. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I am. I am so, I am so thrilled that Ann finally was able to, was able to take the time to come on this show. I am so thrilled with all of her success. I am so thrilled with everything that she's been doing and everything she will be doing. And as we start this new year, I want that for all of you. I want you guys to have that sort of team that's going to back you up. That's going to let the world know who you are and be as enthusiastic about your work as you are. I, w- I want all of that for you. I want so much. I want all this this kind of success. And when you pursue this this particular journey that you're on, whatever it is, whatever creative venture it is, just remember it is not something that you can do alone. You need to have that sort of support system behind you. You need to have the people that are going to take your vision and help you turn it into a reality. And you will find that team as long as you can, as long as you continue with it, as long as you have the passion for the story that you're telling, and as long as you commit to the hard work that that goes into this. And I want nothing but the best for you. I know that Anne does as well. And for Anne Charles, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.